First Amendment nights. I always say, what a beautiful day, but today, what a beautiful day. If I were part of the temptations, I would just sing, I've got sunshine, but know that I do. Know that I do. Will you take a moment and just pray with me, and please pray for me. Gracious and heavenly God, we just thank you for this beautiful day that you've blessed us with. God, we just ask that as we sit in your presence, that you will be right here with us. We ask that you will open up our hearts, open up our minds, so that we can hear from you, open up our ears, so that we can understand all that you have for us. We just thank you for all things. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So, we've already heard the scripture for today, which is Mark 6, 7 through 13. And when we turn to this passage in the Bible, the heading is Jesus sends out the twelve. Yet, as I read it, the immediate thought that came to mind is, go where I send thee, which is the title for today's message. But as I worked on it, the title just didn't make sense until yesterday. So, as we prepare to dive into the subject matter today, we find that the book of Mark was most likely written, it was the first gospel that was written around A.D. 55 in Israel, primarily the regions of Galilee, Judea, and Perea. The key passage in Mark is, is chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, where it says that Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, you, be, you may be saying, if we are discussing Mark 6, what is the relevance of Mark 1, 14 through 15? Well, I am so glad you asked. Prior to Jesus sending out the 12 disciples, we can find in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, the reminder of Isaiah's prophecy that John the Baptist would come before Jesus to prepare the way for him. The prophecy said that it would be a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John the Baptist was on the scene ahead of Jesus, and to quote verse 4 of chapter 1, he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The people flocked to be saved, confessing sins, and to be baptized. John told the people of Jesus' coming that Jesus is greater than he, and that he was not worthy to stoop down and untie Jesus' sandals. John told them that I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The announcement had been made to be on the lookout for Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus arrives and is baptized by John in the, in the Jordan. And upon his baptism, the heavens opened up and a voice called out, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. The chapter goes on to mention that John is in prison. Jesus goes into Galilee to preach a message to repent and believe the good news. Followed by the calling of the first disciples, Simon, Andrew, John, and James. And as the chapter moves, Jesus begins to exercise his authority, his gifting to heal. He drives out evil spirits. He heals leprosy. He made a paralyzed man walk while all the time teaching about repentance and forgiveness. Now here's a verse that I particularly enjoy. Verses 27 through 28 of chapter 1. The people were amazed. They asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. 
Throughout chapters 2 and 3, Jesus continues to preach and teach and heal even on the Sabbath, and that in itself was a sin against God, for the commandment was to keep the Sabbath holy. But you can find more on that in chapter 3. The crowds continue to follow him also in chapter 3. Mark identifies the 12 that were chosen to walk alongside Jesus. Mark continues his story about Jesus in chapter 4, listing the parables that Jesus taught about the sower, a lamp on a stand, the growing seed, the mustard seed, and the experience of being in the boat with Jesus when he commanded the wind to be still with just his voice. Chapter 5, we read about the, the healing of a demon-possessed man, the healing of Jairus' daughter, and the woman with the issue of blood, which we spoke about last week. After Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood, he went back to Jairus' home and healed Jairus' daughter. But when he left there, he went to his hometown, Mark 6 and 1. While there, he preached in the synagogue before crowds that were amazed at his teaching. Yet as it was, there was someone there who could not believe that he was gifted in wisdom. Verse 2 says, where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? They go on to mock him saying, isn't he a carpenter, Mary's son? Calling him a carpenter was mocking him. A carpenter by profession has a skill set that includes building, crafting, making something out of nothing, or better yet, having the ability to repair what's broken. Jesus came to build and to repair. He was building a kingdom here on earth to prepare us for the kingdom of heaven. He repairs the broken, the brokenhearted. Our world needs repair right now. We are broken. We have a governmental system at play that, are not, that is not designed for the welfare of all people. There's an astronomical amount of people that are hungry, homeless, jobless, destitute, wandering the streets of America and just the world all over. These people are experiencing physical brokenness. There's also emotional and spiritual brokenness that we experience from day to day. We find ourselves down and out over failed relationships, deferred dreams, loss of life, loss of income. The list of what causes us to be broken can be extensive and exhausting. I know many people that would say that they are not broken. I know many people that would not admit to engaging in sin. I know a lot of people that don't and won't give Jesus a chance to fix what's broken in their lives. Brokenness is sometimes seen as weakness or a lack of ability to handle your life experiences with ease. Brokenness is an opportunity for Jesus to rise and shine in our lives. Brokenness can also be the place that we can find that it's not you, it's me. It's the place that we find that one thing, that, where we can find that one thing that we push to the recesses of our minds and are afraid to bring it up because we may find that we are in a place where we need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus was preaching a message of repentance and the people in his own hometown did not want to hear it. Jesus was in awe of the behavior and disrespect for the gospel, the good news. I imagine him shaking his head and saying, even in my hometown, I can't get no respect. Sounding like Rodney Dangerfield for those of you who are that old. Jesus, the savior of the world, the Messiah, disrespected by his own neighbors. He was amazed at their level of disbelief and lack of faith in who he was. As Christians, I can imagine that each of us 
have had an experience or know someone who has had an encounter with a non-believer. You could be sharing the good news in some form or fashion, talking about how good God has been to you, how he has healed you, and the non-believer you're speaking with will say, oh, get out of here with that. Don't come to me with that Jesus stuff. Well, friends, rather than stand there and try to convince someone that Jesus is real, Jesus says in verse 11, if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. Shaking the dust off one's feet is a practice that pious Jews would engage after passing through Gentile cities to show their separation from Gentile influences and practices. When the disciples shook the dust from their feet after leaving a Jewish town, it was an indicator that they wished to remain separate from people who had rejected Jesus and his message. Jesus made it clear that each person who heard the gospel were responsible for what they did with it. I want you to hear that. Jesus made it clear that each person who heard the gospel was responsible for what they did with it. As long as the disciples faithfully and carefully presented the gospel, the disciples were not to blame if the message was rejected. Just as we are not responsible when others reject Christ's message of salvation. Yet like the disciples, we are to faithfully and carefully present the gospel. Jesus was disrespected, not well received in his hometown. He wanted to prepare the disciples for the same type of rejection. How loving and caring is that? Just like a parent or an older sibling, to prepare a son or daughter or sister or brother and what to expect and how to handle it. He was preparing them for the anticipated rejection. It makes me reminisce about times when someone warned me of some potential dangers and I ignored the warning signs, did what I wanted to do and had to learn it the hard way or even in trying to warn others that I know of potential dangers ahead, especially with my own family. But just as Jesus, warnings not well received by family, but hey, c'est la vie. We live and we learn. But here, if we listen to Jesus and abide, we can handle the rejection. We can follow Paul and Barnabas' lead. In the book of Acts in chapter 13, we find Paul and Barnabas in a Jewish synagogue preaching Drawing large numbers, the Jews were envious and spoke out against all that Paul preached. But Paul and Barnabas turned towards the Gentiles. High-standing women and leading men of the city riled up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, driving them out of the region. The scriptures tell us that they shook the dust off their feet, doing exactly what Jesus had taught them, shaking the dust off, and they kept moving. The title of today's message Go where I send thee. You may think it's a command for you, but have we considered that it's also the command for all of us? We know others that have been called and chosen to go where God sends them. God uses ordinary, everyday people to get messages to us. Messages don't have to be long and drawn out. Sometimes it's a sermon, a Facebook post, a tweet, a meme. Maybe even an elder of a church, a sibling, a parent, a friend can deliver a word from God to you. God will bring us the good news or maybe just bring us a message of warning or even a word of rebuke. It's those words of rebuke and correction that we don't want to hear. We don't want to hear anything that's challenging or upsetting to our lifestyle. 
The disciples were sent out in pairs on a mission with Jesus' authority to spread the good news, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to anoint with oil. What an honor it must have been to have been personally chosen and called for by Jesus, to have walked and sat directly at his feet while he was teaching, and to have been released to operate in his name. If you are a driver, and I'm just kind of looking around the room to see the age group that's in here. If you are a driver, you, do you remember getting your driver's license? And hopefully it was a good experience for you. Um, typically, a young person studies for the learner's permit exam, takes the test, passes it, and obtains your learner's permit. This allows you to drive with another licensed driver in a car until you've reached a legal driving age where you can get your own permit and have learned to drive and can pass both the written and the physical road test. Sometimes young drivers take driver's ed, spend time on the road with a parent or other brave adult teaching them how to drive. But driving really takes some skill. It's more than just a physical act of getting in the car, fastening your seatbelt, turning on the car, and putting it in drive or reverse. Paying attention to what's happening on the road, being aware of other drivers and pedestrians, Knowing the, road, knowing the rules of the road for motorists, cyclists, and pedestrians can be overwhelming while trying to operate a vehicle. But yet, somehow, we figured out the complexities of driving, and we are licensed drivers. But do you remember getting that little plastic card in the mail, and now, it, and now you have this sense of freedom, independence, no longer a student? Your parents gave you the keys to the car and said, you can go but not without rules and precaution. You can go, but don't have more than three people in the car at one time. You can go, but make sure you drive the speed limit. You can go, but make sure the music isn't too loud. I don't know about you, but I had all of those rules, and I could, was like, never mind, I'll just stay home. But you can go. Your parents sent you out with faith that you would just follow the rules and return home safely. The disciples had been given a license to go, but with permission but with precaution. A license to go out in faith that all their needs would be provided for. They had the green light to not only do what they were being empowered to do, but to also do what they witnessed the master do. Friends, much like the disciples, we also have been given the green light. We also have the invitation to go out and share the good news with others. We can anoint the sick. James 5 and 12 tells us to call on the elders of the church when we're sick. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 tells us to go out and make disciples. We're never too old, nor too young, never not educated or overeducated. The only requirement is that we believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. With that, we can share with others what God has shared with us in his holy word and by our life experiences, where God has shown himself to be faithful and true. Friends, if you are willing to be an ambassador for Christ today, just like the disciples, just say amen. Oh, thank you. Okay. I was worried. Was that, was that going to go over? Okay. Over the weekend, I attended the Ohio Conference Women's Leaders, the Women's Leader Retreat. Leaders Retreat. Um, and when I first got the flyer, I saw it. I was interested, but I never acted on it. And then a friend and I had talked about going, and then she registered. I didn't. And then we were talking, and she was like, yeah, when we go to the retreat, I was like, oh, we going to that? 
She said, we had this conversation. I said, we did indeed. So anyway, I tried to register. Somehow it wasn't going through, and I forgot about it. About two weeks later when I thought about it again, so I ended up having to call Judy King because I had missed a deadline. And she said, we got one spot left, and you can have it. So look at God, right? So here I am going to the retreat. But while I was there, I met this lady, beautiful, kind spirit lady. And we were talking. We spent some time talking about the work she's done with the church, talking about her life a little bit, and how she really wants to. She's been out of the church life for just a little bit, and she's trying to slowly get back in. But she wants to do some work, like some real work. She wants to connect with people. And so um, she's been grieving the loss of her son. And she just felt like she would be rejected if she came to somebody and said, this is what I want to do. And I, we talked about that. And so I realized that this was an opportunity to share the good news. And I had been studying this Mark chapter, this Mark text all week. And so I had the opportunity to share with her the gospel according to Mark 6, 7 through 13 to go forth and share the good news. And if you are not received, move on from that place and shake the dust off your feet. So we talked about some things that she was passionate about. We discussed some opportunities for her to engage with others. And she appeared to be appreciative of the opportunity to have that moment. Friends, it doesn't take much to share the good news. Half the battle is recognizing the opportunity and then to be obedient in the moment. If she never, ever follows through on what we talked about, what is important is that I was obedient in the call to share the good news. I'm not responsible for what happens. Sorry. These iPads, I tell you. I'm not responsible if she never, ever follows through. That was the word that Jesus told the disciples. You're not responsible for what happens to the, to, to the message once it's been delivered. Make sure you deliver it faithfully and carefully. I pray that when you go out, wherever God sends you, that you have the opportunity to be obedient in any of those moments where he has called you to faithfully and carefully share the good news. It doesn't take much to turn to your neighbor and share something good that happened to you last week or to ask them what has happened to you this week and show them where God is active in their lives. We have this time together where we talk about God at work, and sometimes we share the things that we've seen God do for us, and then sometimes we're sharing other stuff. But I would love to hear where God has worked in everybody's life this past week. Even if, it was some, even if it's something as small as the sun shining today and you felt the sun beaming on your face as you walked out your house, everybody can't feel that. That's a gift. That's God at work. May you find God at work in your life. Um, may you just be able to experience those opportunities, small, great or small, where you can share the good news, where we can be like the disciples, going out two by two, because they went out in pairs. So I always encourage people, don't go by yourself. But if you find yourself by yourself, just do as God has called you to do. So with that, let us pray. Creator God, as you choose and empower the 12 disciples to share the good news, we too want to take up the mantle and share the good news. May we be empowered and strengthened by the Holy Spirit as we set about to do your will. In Jesus' name. Amen.